Welcome to Dhamma on the Sidewalk, insights, interviews, and practical tips on the teachings of the Buddha for people of all walks of life, attuning, exploring, integrating the teachings in everyday life. Simple Dhamma for daily life. I'm Asoka, hosting Dhamma Capsule for people like you. Hello and welcome to Dhamma on the Sidewalk. This is episode number three. And today I'm in conversation with Eva. Eva, formerly known as Sister Tana Vijaya, was a Siladhara nun in the order of the Thai forest tradition of Achan Cha at Amaravati Buddhist Monastery. She recently disrobed and we'll be chatting with her regarding her journey as well as her resolve to leave the order and reinsert herself in daily life outside of a monastery. The recording of the conversation with us, Eva, uh, has encountered some technical difficulties, uh, probably due to the internet connection, which means that she, I have asked her and she has re-recorded the introductory part of the conversation we will reconnect with the actual uh, live conversation at approximately minute 10 or so. So we apologize for the inconvenience. It's probably unnoticeable if I didn't mention it, but I thought about keeping the authentic style of the podcast. So thank you for your patience. Hi, Asoka, and thank you for having me uh, for this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. People ask me what was my journey to Buddhism and to monastic life and um, it was truly a journey, not a decision that I woke up to one day. Um, It was a journey over several years um, which started with having a crisis while living in London and then going off traveling to India and Southeast Asia, meeting Buddhism in Thailand, returning back to Europe and looking around for places which um, provided um, guidance for practice. And this is more or less how I found the Maravati. Um, first, I attended a 10-day uh, meditation retreat course, and then I returned for a stay as a lay guest in the associated monastery in Chithurst, and then I returned again for more and stayed for the winter retreat, and um, my aspiration for ordaining was growing because I really liked um, the way of life, Um, the the teachings of Buddhism were very attractive to me, but for me they were from the beginning also in a context of this particular tradition and this series of monasteries of 
monasteries associated with Chithurst and Amaravati, uh, those monks and nuns and the tradition of um, Ajancha, Thai forest tradition, lineage of Ajancha. Um, so I like the whole combo, if you will. And I slowly wanted it, gradually it became clear to me that it's not something I want to just have as a hobby, um, like a weekend meditation group or something, like I, I really wanted to go deep into it and experience um, this life, it also made sense to me on many levels, um, the simplicity of life and yeah, the whole thing, so um, gradually, gradually it was growing on me and um, it was, I, I, I was less and less able to, to fight back. Um, which I was, I was fighting because uh, I come from northeast of Slovakia and a small village. Um, it's very, very Catholic around here. Um, and I was afraid how my family would take it. Um, and I was right. <laughs> uh, they didn't take it very well. Um, so, but it was also clear to me that, you know, I. I I either please them or just do what my heart was calling me to do. So, yeah, I made a decision to ordain and uh, became a novice, um, which means I shaved my head and put on the white robes and was novice for two and a half years. And later, and during that time, I, the, the whole time I never had a doubt that I wanted to be a, a nun, a Siladera, which is a, a lineage of nuns in this particular tradition of Ajahn Chah. Um, so that happened two and a half years later, after my novice ordination. And then I was in Brown for five years um, as a as a Siladera. And if somebody, well, not if, when people ask me um, what what was the main point of it, or what did I take from it? I mean, many, many, many things I could talk for forever about it, but um, I just don't know about any other way of stepping out of your conditioning so completely as you can when you take on this form, this kind of, this way of life, when you step out of your cultural conditioning, of your family conditioning, of your own preferences, um, of your gender conditioning, of your just generally societal 
conditioning and expectations, um, economic conditioning, like you just you just step out in onto a different planet, really. And that's not to say that you are not stepping into a different conditioning. Yes, and that's the whole point of of this training, you know, of choosing which conditions you expose yourself to. Um, but it was very valuable for me to see what I stepped out of because when you are in something you can't see it very clearly you need distance, you need perspective you need an overview and it's difficult to have while you are in it um, so that was um, that was really something that you can't get anywhere else as far as I can tell and see. And now that I'm back in the world, I'm able to look back at the conditioning I got in the monastery, um, which I probably wasn't able to see while I was in the monastery. Um, but also coming back to the world, yes, I'm back, but it's, I don't see it in the same way. I am um, not the same. So it's a different relationship we are having now. I guess I no longer expect the world to make me happy. One can have um, removing oneself so completely from conditioning and stepping into something so very different on on so many levels that that gives you that gives you basically such a shock to the system that yeah. allows you to see that conditioning from which you step out of and i mean in the monastery i met a lot of people who who came as a guest and they were telling me, oh, I live as a monastic already, even though I'm in, in a lay life. No, you're not. No. You're not. You, you can have a simple life. You can have, uh, you know, very frugal life. You can have whatever life. But you have not stepped out of, of the conditioning uh, of uh, your exercising your own will, of wearing the clothes you like, um, choosing the color of the clothes or what you're going to eat, like small things. But if you do them or don't do them every single day for years, it's going to do something, you know, showing a lot of things. So uh, you can live as a mon in, in lay life. You can say that you live as a monastic after you've been a monastic and you want to maintain a, a simple lifestyle, but not, not before. Um, I think you've touched a very, very, very critical point here. An invaluable, remarkable point, conditioning. So, and that's where also, I think connected to what you said earlier, we, you spoke about a sort of, I would say infatuation or aspiration or they, until you do it, until you step into it, you don't know what it is that you're going to fa face, including not just because of other people, but because because you might not even be aware that there is so much conditioning and that Buddhism is probably 
what not what what you know about you knew about Buddhism before, what we know about Buddhism before is not necessarily what it actually is when we step into an order and we take on ordination or it just puts you puts us in a situation where we have to start exploring this conditioning and and it might give a very good i mean it might be very easy for some and for for others it might be aspects that are more complicated but conditioning is definitely even something that the buddha pointed at if i am correct like look at how you're doing things and explore for yourself how you can let certain things go and look at all your own way of being. Am I fine? Am I correct? Yeah, so and the monastic life gives you a very specific um, setup for this. Um, right. Because obviously this is happening for all of us every single day in any type of life we choose. But there is less chance to avoid it in a monastic setting um, right. because so many things are removed from you. Right. Uh, you 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 know you you don't choose people you live with you 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 have them <laughs> and then they mirror your conditioning back to you whether you like it or not um yeah 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 and there is no tv to switch on um to forget about it and and so on and so on so it it gives you very specific conditions mm. to look at your conditioning right conditioning is something that we come to realize how much conditioning we have understood in Buddhist term is not necessarily only the cultural background or the language or the family background is everything that comes with it. And we are putting, we are putting face, we are put face to face with it when we come into a communal living. I would like, if you, if you please say something about the dual community living and mm -hmm. how this conditioning or something or some challenges or some some other aspect that you might want to to bring out uh, to bring up some what it actually is to put all that conditioning into dynamics in terms of, ha of having to live in in a dual community do you think yeah. it's the same as if you were just in a nunnery I mean, it's a it's a very unique thing. Um, let's let's face it. Um, even in like in any terms of in terms of any monastic um, environment, whether it's uh, Christian or I mean, who else has um, monastic orders? Um, not not many religions have monastic orders, uh, but those that do, they are usually not mixed communities not dual communities they are usually very binary male or female communities um, exactly so it is already unique in that sense uh, and if i were to and again um it felt because that was the community i came into um, I wasn't I wasn't looking around much. That was what I came to from the very beginning, um, and it felt natural. You know, I didn't I didn't question it very much. Like, you know, it it, it felt like a 
probably because of that uh, dual community, my transition from lay life to monastic life felt more natural. Because I see. That's a good all point. all That's kinds good. of people there. Yeah. As I was entering just uh, uh, um, a women's community. I mean, funnily enough, I worked in education before, and education is, you know, 90% female <laughs> populated. Right. So I, I, I came into a more mixed community than I usually experience on a daily basis in my lay life. So it felt very balanced. Okay. In that time, how to say it? Like a, like a good uh, sample of a society. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, just, on, just on a small scale. I think in that sense, dual communities are healthier because you we come in with conditionings since society insists on diff on different conditionings for men and women. Then mm -hmm. that's where they met. Um, so in, in that sense, it's more challenging, but also more balanced. Um, hmm. That's an interesting, that's an interesting approach. That's, that's very nice. So somehow it gives a sense of, to a certain extent, mirroring what's happening outside, but also it can bring up different types of challenges, I guess. Different ways to solve challenges, maybe? No, I'm not sure we got that far. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, so then the, the, the challenges are exactly or were for me coming exactly from, from that, from different conditioning mm. of men and women. And where in the end the walls I was running into everywhere I turned and um, didn't particularly like it. And it wasn't that I wouldn't want to look at the, the the condition in my conditioning or my female conditioning but it seemed to me that that burden what was put more or, or if not exclusively on the female side like these are the terms and conditions and if you are running into challenges then look at your conditioning and then let go right. but the male side wasn't asked to do that Mm. because the terms and conditions were designed for their conditioning. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Yeah. So, but you actually continued on that journey. You continued that journey for five years. Yes. And it was like, again, I'll, I'll come to that, back to that simile I used in the beginning of, you know, falling in love. And um, when you are in love, you don't, it's like dating someone and you see some, you know, things that you don't particularly, you know, feel extremely comfortable with or you think like, hmm, and then you hope it's going to change. Of course, it's going to change because he loves me or she loves me and, you know, it's going to be different and we will work on it. And then we'll five, years about later, it. five years later, you realize it, it hasn't changed and it's not going to. Mm -mm. Um, and the only thing that's left is a, a, a challenge for you. <laughs> right. So how did you, can, can, we, can we start looking at how did you come about to, to take the step to this rope from Sister Tana Vijaya and 
or maybe not disrobe immediately, just take maybe a step back and then eventually coming to to leave and go back to being Eva. Would you would you give us some cues of how that happened? Well, I guess like everything, it's a it's a gradual process, things creeping in and leaving a mark and and then they accumulate and something starts pressing somewhere inside and you know pushing more and more to consciousness Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't in 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 my case anyway any you know like uh, I woke up one morning and knew or felt or whatever in a certain way it was it was it was very gradual sort of challenges accumulating and um me trying harder and harder to 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 work with them to accommodate them to Feel. see through them and and so on and so on and in the end i just felt like i'm just putting too much energy into just being challenged all the time and also just you know the um, people i i don't need to say people i <laughs> <laughs> into monastic life but also I've seen it on other people um, came to monastic life with very lofty ideas about spiritual life mm. um, enlightenment, liberation this, that deep meditation and it's all there, I'm not you know, questioning any of this but it's not a linear journey, it's not a straightforward journey, it's not you know, one, two, three, it's not, you know, it, it's very like life, basically. Um, you know, while you are focused on these lofty ideas of, of uh, non-self and liberation and enlightenment, you live every single day as self <laughs> with this body and with this conditioned mind and, and so on. So in be, before you you can see through all of that and let go of it it's a process of it's not a, a um, act of will or a decision oh i'm letting go it's 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 a it's a process of actually getting to know yourself very prosaically rather than you know poetically yes getting to know who you are and what on what conditions you can actually do this work and i realized that the way my mind is set up and what makes my heart happy, well, that perhaps I need more space. <laughs> mm. And maybe there is a, a way of saying that I haven't heard you still saying that I, I am a Buddhist, but definitely you have lived the Buddhist lifestyle. And certainly in this tradition, you've gone on to a path of a of a school that that looks at the Buddha's lifestyle of austerity, of dependence, of having one meal per day. I mean, there are a number of rules and precepts that are really originating from the Buddha's lifestyle himself, with very little accessories on the side. So you've come there, but I still haven't heard you saying, "I am a Buddhist," which is which is quite interesting. But certainly, there is a way of putting it that would say 
it, it, it isn't necessary to be to be in a monastic order to actually practice Buddhism. If we want to, and, and especially if we look at how Amaravati of functions, we know that there are a number of lay retreats organized and lay groups and a number of people who have been coming for years and, and decades who haven't taken the Buddhist robes, but who have followed the teachings and learning and studying and being sometimes scholars of, of Buddhism or supporting the Buddhist, uh, Buddhist orders. Yeah, it all comes down to labels, doesn't it? And yes. Some people are more aware, averse to labels, some more open, some just don't mind at all. And um, I was more averse to labels. I was, you know, I was resisting to to calling myself a Buddhist and not, now I'm not at all. And I'm happily, uh, I, 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 I happily describe myself as a Buddhist. But also, you know, the other day I was having a conversation with someone we had, the election um, in Slovakia and there was a lot of talk about Christian values and I was like you know I mean what are Christian values yeah, I, can, huh. I can I can happily say I have Christian values I just don't disagree with Christian values mm. <laughs> um, because if they are about love and uh, kindness and uh, you know Yes, it's conventions we speak this about so, conventions, labels. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to mix and match so Eva, so what you've disrobed now, you've come up to with that, you've done the steps, you left the order, you've gone back to Slovakia. How is it? <laughs> How is it not being a nun anymore? How is it to have independence? <laughs> or let's say it go back into making your own choices. Eight years is is not a small time. I mean, it, it in the span of a of a whole life, it's 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 nothing. At the same time, time is a convention itself. But still, eight years. Well, eight it's years. one fifth. It's one fifth of my life uh, so far. So, um, can you speak about a bit about that? Reinserting yourself, looking ahead for doing something to be so called active or. To, to reinsert you and how has it ever changed <clears throat> in those eight years? Do you, do because you, as you said correctly, we live every day with ourselves in this and with this body and this mind, even if the mind, we relearn certain things, we change our, our habits or our way of thinking, we learn new values, we, we apply new things. I'm sure it's not the same ever somehow. Mm. So how, how do you find yourself stepping back into <laughs> routines by yourself <laughs> yeah so now I'm overwhelmed by choice um, and mm -hmm. not having to ask for permission so you know just just, just like go and do it having to decide everything by myself mm -hmm. um, <laughs> a different type of challenge but yeah mostly what has changed for me is I still have those tendencies for sure but uh, much less I used to be very up in my head so ideas and intellectual games and conversations and whatever was where I felt comfortable again conditioning you know education I you know studied at the university then I was a teacher so you just always remain in that intellectual realm and then I was yet yeah, forced to just drop down to my body and to my heart harmonize I... them and align them and uh, just combine them into one whole. I mean, it's still a process. It's not like it's done. 
Mm-hmm. But basically, I'm much less interested in discussing ideas for the sake of discussing I- ideas. Uh-huh. So I'm much more interested in reality as it is. And we don't even have to call it by a fancy name of Dhamma. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what it means. Like, what's how, how, how it is to to live every single minute of every single day in this body and mind and in somebody else's body and mind and what what it means for all of us, this experience of life. Yes. I once had asked a bhikkhu, a bhikkhu of many vasas, many, many, many years. I had once asked him, have you ever thought of disrobing? May I ask the question? He said, of course you can ask. And he said, yes, three times I thought about it. And when I asked him, what made you not doing it? Well, he said, one time I was really starting to doubt. Yeah, maybe I, I should do it. I could do it. Yeah, this is going, it's okay now. I've done more than 15 years. I'm okay with this. I, I, I can change. I can, cha- I can change uh, gear. And then eventually I didn't. And simply because I would be fine outside, but I would not have outside something that is very valuable in part in, 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 in the order, and that is peer support. And maybe mm-hmm. this comes because in a, as, as there's, there might be more structure in a, in a bhikkhu community that it might be in a siladhara order. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but definitely what I'd like you to, to say a few words about is about that peer support. Did you, did you experience that? Having... Because in an in an old in a in a siladara community in a community there somehow always is someone who might ask you how are you today or can I do anything or is it or, or there, there's there are people around you who who live by the same by the same rules as yours so you, you can call upon and and do do you find that challenging do you find that different being not in the order anymore. Um, yes, I mean, for me, the community was a big part of what was appealing to me uh, uh, about this life. Uh, I like people. <laughs> I like interactions with people. I like having uh, meaningful conversations with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like the the, the, the closeness. Um, so that, I mean, my sisters were, probably if it wasn't for my sisters or at least some of them I, I wouldn't have lasted as long as I did um, as well so it definitely you, you can't do it on, and nobody can do it on their own it's mm-hmm. just you can't do it on your own wherever you are out in the monastery or outside the monastery like it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not it's just not possible and to, to have these expectations of yourself it's it's cruel um, mm-hmm. so but I also realize how I yeah took it for granted in a way mm. in the in the monastery because you have people there all the time whether you want it or not <laughs> sometimes you, you prefer not 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 to have them or not to see them not to have to interact with them but it doesn't matter they are there yeah you know like the air you breathe it's just like there and something holding you whether you recognize it or not or you know just passing by someone or just you know having a brief conversation it's just like friendly people on a broadly the same wavelength yeah (laughs) and it's not that 
easy to find um, in the outside world if people are more bent on living the worldly life. And now worldly, I don't mean as living in the world, but um, according to the values of yeah, whatever you want to call it, you know, society, capitalism, or whatever, whatever. Right. Yes. Well, there's, it's, it's, in a, in a way, there is no in there and out there, and as much as in there, there is a lot of in here and out there, in the sense that people operate, as you said, it somehow we are broadly into when we live in a community as a monastic community, we broadly are supposedly having a like like minded mindset uh, yes and also and also even though you can be very busy even in the monastery and i'm sorry for all the listeners who will be disappointed by this sentence <laughs> but they just need to come and experience the maravati it can get very busy your days can be very full um and still there is much more space mm. um, there is in daily life out here for the want of the better word um and that's yeah together with the community it is something i'm missing um just that that's a space the space just yeah just the, just the space um for yourself the space to go in mm. um which you can do much more quickly in Amaravati because it's a quieter place because you already don't have lots of um, things to do or think about exactly. um, so you can drop into a more contemplative mode of mind more quickly yeah well sister we are going we are reaching the 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 end of our conversation I'd like you to to just wrap it up <laughs> with some, <laughs> in some we because I know we know each other for quite some time so we know that we get we get um, sort of passionate and carried on in but um, as as you know it's getting into uh, the meantime for me <laughs> yeah. and I will need to uh, keep going this is the only meal of the day so. And first of all, I'd like to thank you but for your time, but definitely I'd like you to wrap it up and have the last word. And that would be some encouragement or some inspirations or some final thoughts for those who are listening and might just have either an idea to come and join a, monast a, mon a monastic community, I mean, monastic as a lay person initially, or just, just tell us something. What comes to mind at this very moment? I guess one of the big learnings for me, mm. was, and and it's not like I've learned it, and I'll I'll never it will never ever happen to me again. Of course it will. Um, it has already. But try and remember that the grass is not greener on the other side. And that that is that is both ways you're saying that, right? Like, like in every in every way, um, mm -hmm. just live your life wherever you are, and that's not to say that 
you don't need to discriminate uh, and change your conditions if necessary, if they are not healthy um, or supportive or whatever, but to think that um, over there, or if I put on this particular outfit, whether it's the one from the shop window or monastic clothes, right, right. Um, that this is what will do it um, for me. It's not. It's just like you. We really need to be humble about about it. It's just every single step of the way, living this life in this mind and in this body and learning how to do it with the support of spiritual teachings with whatever tools you can find but just like right. honestly bearing all the all all that arises and learning how to live it in a way that is beneficial to oneself and to people around you yes that's a nice one i like that i like to call you sister eva for some reason <laughs> okay okay sister asoka <laughs> i like to call you sister eva so let me just uh, wish you really well and uh, we'll follow your journey close and maybe we'll come back again one day i mean yeah, you ask many questions. You ask many questions which I never answered. So probably too broad a scope for one conversation. Yeah, so we can have another one uh, at some point. But you are very rich. You have a very rich experience. So it's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and space. And thank you uh... for inviting me. Thank you for your good questions. And talk to you soon. Yes. Talk to okay. you soon and good luck with everything. Thank you.